I'm Andrew McNulty. Welcome to the Rise podcast series. For the last 25 years, I've met the best guys and girls around the world in regard to resilience, well-being and leadership. I've been educated by them, coached by them, inspired by them, and certainly I've learned a huge amount by spending time with them. In this podcast series, you're going to get a download from those people. I hope you get educated. I hope you get motivated. I hope you get inspired. And yes, I hope you get activated to doing things differently in terms of your resilience, your well-being, and your leadership through adversity. Now more than ever, we as leaders in our own homes, in our own communities, in our teams, in our organizations, in our global companies, or in our small companies, we need to be more resilient. We need to become better leaders, and we need to rise higher. I'm extremely excited about our guest today. I first met this lady 13 years ago when she was the head of talent in Deloitte in Ireland. Her name is Dr. Mary Collins. She's an incredibly authentic leader. She's an incredibly passionate coach of women and men at all levels in business and of course in all levels in the health service. Mary has over 15 years experience in organizational development in talent management, in coaching, in leadership, and of course, in helping lots of people understand how to flourish in life. She's currently a senior executive and development specialist with the Royal College of Surgeons, and in particular in their Institute of Leadership. So when we speak about authentic, this lady is highly authentic. She has a doctoral thesis in the field of organizational development, She's renowned as an international speaker in regard to leadership, coaching, positive psychology, and of course, emotional fitness. She's a very proud mom, a very proud wife. And she tells me that recently, she's the headmistress of her own home school. Dr. Mary Collins, we are delighted to have you on the Rise audio series. Great. Thank you so much, Enda, for inviting me. Um, really delighted to be having a conversation with you today. And can I just commend you and the team? I think even the, the word rise is so powerful at the moment, and it's something we all need to do in this very, very difficult time. We're going to talk a little bit about resilience. We're going to speak about authentic leadership for all of our leaders around the world who are listening in. We're going to talk about emotional fitness. We'll try and lace that back to the practicalities of how we can take care of ourselves. I know you're very passionate about self-care. And I hope it's okay to start there. Because I know how prolifically passionate you are about self-care in the context of this incredible storm that we face into. Absolutely, Anda. Uh, And a lot of the work we do with particularly healthcare leaders at the moment, it's very much focusing on all leadership starts with self-leadership. So how can you lead and manage yourself at this most difficult time? And I've just actually come off a, a coaching call with a senior clinical director. And she said to me that for right now is the lowest point for leaders in healthcare in this country, and I know we've an international audience, I'm sure it, it, no matter what country you're in at the moment, it's a low point 
So it is important now more than ever that we focus on self-care and that self-leadership piece. And, and I've been doing like, I'm sure you and many people listening in, doing lots of webinars and reading and listening to various podcasts. And I think we're a bit swamped. There's so much out there. There's so much information. So I developed a, a very, very simple model if it's okay just to, to share. And it's called the CAM model. And I draw on this myself, you know, when you're having tough days, I just draw this down. And this really helps me with my resilience and my self-care. And quite simply, it's it, the acronym is C-A-L-M. C is about control the controllables. So for me, I get up one hour before the madness hits in our house. <laughs> so one hour before the children and the dog and everything kicks off. And that gives me my time to do my little bit of meditation, my stretching or go out for a walk. Um, the, A, the A stands for appreciation, appreciation and gratitude. And now more than ever, I think those, if we have our health, we just, I'm so grateful each morning that I am healthy and well that my loved ones, my family are, and just to show that gratitude and appreciation for what we do have. There's lots of things we don't have at the moment. The L is for love. And you might think, Enda, God, love, that's a bit wishy-washy. But actually, love and compassion and connection are so key at the moment. So it's about reaching out. I think, you know, particularly people who are living by themselves at the moment, you know, picking up the phone, having a phone call with them, reaching out to colleagues. Maybe if there's someone who always has their camera off at the moment, you know, just picking up on those little cues. And then the M is for movement. And I know McNulty are absolute uh, champions of this one, but even for your emotional health, I think getting out, moving, walking, um, you know, helping yourself work through complex problems and situations. So that's my little acronym, Enda, CAM. I love your acronym. I love the practicality of that. You've almost tied back 15 years of science and research into that very practical tip. I love the CAM idea and model. Mary, can I ask you if it's okay? You mentioned we're at a low point in this pandemic. And at the moment, I'm lucky to be coaching executives in business all around the world and they're finding it very tough and as you've said they're in a low point but i'm not coaching a lot of people who may be physicians and are in healthcare every day of the week that's particularly challenging what advice do you have for those men and women and how can we learn from that in the business world or maybe even in other walks of life yeah it's a great question enda because i think our health care professionals and our health leaders are going through extremely difficult times. Um, and if you think back the first pandemic, and this is the feedback I've been getting, there was a lot of adrenaline involved. We were out in our doorsteps, we were clapping, um, the posters were out, and, and that really kept morale, kept everyone going. But we're not seeing so much of that now. Um, what we are seeing in the system is we're seeing burnout, we're seeing exhaustion, we're seeing illness, we're seeing a lot of COVID cases, a lot of close contacts. So about 10% of our cases here in Ireland um, are relate to healthcare workers. So there's a, a big um, spin-off with all of that. And really it is back to basics. 
and we're talking about the, the key pillars of well-being, ensuring that they're, you know, getting sleep where they can, nutrition, and they're keeping their spirits up. And that's going to be different for everyone. Um, you know, some people I work with have just tried to bring pockets of joy into their life every day. And that could be, you know, a socially distanced walk with a friend or a colleague. It could be, um, I know one person in particular I'm working with has taken up online salsa dancing. Um, anything at all that sort of lifts the spirits and gives, gives people a little bit of a break from the brutal reality they're facing. I love that phrase, pocket of joy. For me, one of my pockets of joy I'm doing at the moment, believe it or not, is I'm learning to play the drums. Oh. And when I get away and I escape from all the rest of this COVID storm playing the drums, I am terrible at the drums. I know all of our <laughs> listeners would be giggling out loud to, to drive their car in New York City. They're going to stop the car laughing, merely at me and you. But I'm telling you, that for me is a pocket of joy to get back to the drums that I've got based in my home office. It's just amazing. For you, what's your pockets of joy? Well, and uh, I love my yoga. And for me, when you're in that, whatever that downward facing dog does, that rush of blood to the head, <laughs> that really steadies me and sets me up for the day. Um, I also love, as an extroverted feeling type, and you know, those of us interested in personality, I think it's been particularly tough for us because a lot of the things that we get our energy from being around people, socializing, dancing, a lot of that's been pulled away from us. So we've had to be creative. And um, I have actually started an, an online Zumba class now twice a week. Um, and that's been fantastic because when you're in that zone, if we go back to the positive psychology PERMA, framework you know that engagement and flow a bit like you playing the drums Enda. you have to just focus on what you're doing and you're in that state of just pure enjoyment and flow and for me when I'm doing my yoga or I'm doing my dancing my zumba in my kitchen that's when I'm in my flow state I don't know how to bring that back I don't know how to wrap all <laughs> that nice and neatly together but in particular I'm going to pick up on two or three of your points there I love the way you mentioned yoga and steady yourself, because I know that a lot of our listeners around the world, when they get that mindful walk, when they do some easy stretching at home with some calming music on, maybe even using the cam app, that it will steady them. And everybody will be able to listen and really, I guess, relate to that, Mary. How can we implore them to find time to do that at the start of the day and the end of the day? And how can we implore them to almost make that habitual? What do you think? Yeah. And, and Enda, that's a really key word you've mentioned, habitual. And we know from the research that it takes an average of 66 days for a behavior to become a habit. So it has to be, you know, focused, repeated behavior. Um, and I would say work with your own energy flows so some of us are I think you'd agree here Andrew you're I think you're like me you're a morning bird we get our best energy in the morning do do great work others are the night owls and they will much prefer to stay up an hour later perhaps so work with your own energy flow and build in that time and make it a habit and you know it doesn't have to be an hour 
an hour's practice, if you even get 10 minutes just to do that grounding and centering, um, for some of us, it could be through meditation. For others, it could be through yoga. You mentioned mindful walks. And it's all about finding out what works for you and what you enjoy. And you said earlier on, Mary, that a lot of people at the moment, it's almost a tsunami of advice coming at them about well-being, about resilience, about emotional fitness. That's why I love your CAM model. It's simple to understand. It's based in the science and research. So what advice would you have for people that literally, Mary, are crying out for help? They're crying out for making that habit that you mentioned but they just don't know how to. And they see 2 million things to try and do. And it's actually creating even more anxiety in them. What do you think, Mary? Yeah, and, and that's the thing. We are being absolutely bombarded with resources and information at the moment. And, and for people who are time poor, like again, back to our, our frontline um, health workers and many other essential workers, um, they don't have time to be doing hour-long webinars and reading lots of articles. So I, I focus a lot um, in my work at the moment around the area of emotional fitness and helping people to build that muscle of emotional resilience. And Hold fitness. on a second. Hold it. Did I hear you right? Emotional fitness. <laughs> Explain, please, to me, what the hell do you mean <laughs> emotional fitness? And if I had no clue about psychology, and I was the worst student in the class, by the way, and if I had no clue about well-being, please explain that to me, as an old mentor would say, with Sesame Street simplicity. What does it mean? <laughs> sure. Well, we're all very aware of our physical fitness and the need to get our week, our weekly number of steps, et cetera, et cetera. So emotional fitness is, is really a similar concept, Danda. It is about having routines and rituals and habits in our daily lives that keep us emotionally resilient and strong. And now more than ever, I think we need that, we need that emotional resilience more than ever at the moment. Yeah, but tell me the how. How do I develop? I know how to get physically fit. Everybody in the world is getting bombarded with physical fitness ideas. Mm -hmm. Joe Wicks has taken over the fitness world. <laughs> but come on, what about the emotional fitness world? Just maybe Dr. Mary might become the Joe Wicks of the emotional fitness world. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> um, hasn't he had, he's had such a brilliant impact. Uh, he really has. Okay, so. I'm gonna give you three really simple steps to becoming emotionally fit. And I like things in threes, Enda, because otherwise I think we just, we, we, we don't remember them. So the power of three, um, the, the absolute foundation stone of emotional wellness, emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And it's about just tuning into yourself and just acknowledging how am I feeling right now? How am I doing today? And I'd encourage people to do this about three times a day. Just really simply, just take a moment of reflection. How am I doing? So to give you an example, I, as I said, I, I get my energy from people and uh, I love connecting with others. And if I'm feeling um, like I, it was one day last week, I was just feeling a bit flat. You know, sometimes your mojo is just not where it needs to be. And I checked in and I said, how am I doing? You know what? I'm feeling a bit flat. I need to course correct here. <laughs> so um, 
I picked up the phone and I asked a very good friend. I said, listen, do you want to do a socially distant walk this afternoon? And we popped out and we did a great walk and I came back ready to ready to go. So I think that self-awareness, that self-knowing, just tuning in, how am I feeling and being compassionate with yourself? You know, we're we're having up and down days, particularly, as you mentioned, those of us who are perhaps trying to homeschool, trying to work, dealing with elderly parents, you know, lots of different demands on people. So it's really important to check in uh, with yourself and be compassionate. That's number one, self, self-awareness, self-knowing. Number two is the social connection piece and to stay emotionally well if you were to take all the research on the social sciences over the last 50 years and if you were to take it all and 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 drill it down to one key factor to keep us emotionally well it is the quality of the relationships in our lives and it's about fostering and enhancing those relationships and it's hard now when we're especially if we I mean, I haven't I haven't stepped inside my parents' house since March 2020. I've done a few quick garden visits. We've talked on the phone. I haven't hugged my mother. And that really, that's tough. And please God, I will this year. Um, but the social connection piece, it's difficult at the moment, but we have to up our game, be creative around how we can foster those relationships. And it, it's about surrounding yourself with people who build you up. You know, if there's any sort of toxic people in your life, you know, just try and avoid them or try and limit the contact you have with them. Be around positive, constructive people who build you up. So that's number two. It's about emotional fitness is about making sure you have really high quality relationships and connections every day. And the third uh, strategy and around emotional fitness is around optimism and gratitude. And optimism is a muscle. And I know people might be listening saying, gosh, I am just, I'm a pessimist. I'm a realist. I'm not an optimist. <laughs> well, the good news is the father of optimism, Professor Martin Seligman, would describe himself as a natural born pessimist. So he's had to work on this and it's a muscle. And one of the simplest ways is through gratitude. And Many people may be aware of this. If you aren't, I'd really encourage you to start tonight before you go to sleep, the three good things. And I know, Andrew, we've talked about this many times, three good things that happen to you during the day. If you go to sleep, you're literally rewiring your brain before you go to sleep with that lovely positive message around gratitude. And it really will serve you well. Well, let me dissect that a little bit, almost like a surgeon's knife dissecting that. I love it. I love that you mentioned Dr. Martin Seligman. By the way, later on in this audio series, we're going to hear from one of Dr. Martin Seligman's protégés who studied with him in terms of positive psychology. And we'll link into that later on again in this session with Dr. Mary. Another one of the things that I want to dissect briefly is that social connection with other people. I love the way you've made that simple for people to understand, Mary. I love that. And the last thing is, you mentioned at the start of that self-awareness, to almost be aware of your state, your mental, your emotional state. And I love the way every one of our listeners around the world could apply those three things. If they're in business, in a global business, 
if they're running their own small entrepreneurial company, if they're in the health service, maybe if they're isolated in an apartment in New York City, perhaps they're in Dublin, perhaps they're in Donegal, maybe they're in Dubai, or maybe in Doha. No matter where you are in the world, those three simple tips for building an emotional fitness, I think, Mary, are magic. And I know you've used them before on lots of sessions that we've co-facilitated and collaborated on in the past, but I love the way you've tied them so neatly and concisely together. How do you advise people, Mary, to get into that routine of doing them? Because I love the pragmatism of them. I love the practicality. But how can I get in that routine and make those habitual? What's your advice for our listeners in that regard? Yes, that's a great question. And, and routine is key here. It's absolutely key. So again, some of us, um, back to the personalities, like to have the structure in our lives and in our days. So for me, I, I have a reminder set on my phone, actually. So I'll just get a little reminder in, you know, a little check in. How are you? And there's a number of apps you can use now if you want to just even, um, you know, just type a few notes. How am I feeling? Tell us all today? those apps. So give, give us five, top, top of your head, give us five apps for our listeners to download or even three. I, I'll give one off the bat. So the Calm app is very useful for people. Another one off the bat for any of our listeners around the world is definitely the Headspace app. There's two apps you can download onto your mobile phone anywhere in the world. What other ideas would Mary have there? You know, and uh, I, I just often simply use the notes part of my phone or I will even record, do a voice recording. You're old school, in other words. I'm, <laughs> I'm old school. I am a digital immigrant, and <laughs> I am. And do you know another, just while we're, we're chatting on this. Voice recorder in your phone. Yeah. What the hell? What the <laughs> hell? What are you doing with that? It's a way, it's almost like journaling, but just recording your thoughts in the moment. Um just do a voice memo to yourself. And that's the other thing. Journaling is so, so important. Um, Ariana Huffington, explain, who I- Explain, explain yeah. to our listeners, journaling, I know, I know what that means, but please explain yeah. to our listeners who haven't got a clue why journaling can help them in terms of their well-being journey. Yes, well, journaling is, is really a form of reflection. And, you know, we're so- Everyone is so time poor at the moment and as we know and bombarded all the time, we don't take that time to reflect. And one of the really core leadership qualities is reflection, the ability to reflect on your behaviours, to learn and grow. And journaling is about just taking some time. If you're dealing with a very difficult situation or if you're struggling, to actually put it to paper. And Ariana Huffington, I know you're a big fan as well of her work. She talks about journaling as being window wipers for the soul. Do you like oh, that? Window oh, wipers. <laughs> stop the truck wherever you are. Stop the car wherever you are. If you're out walking and listening, stop there for a second. Can you repeat that again for me, please? Go again. So journaling is window wipers for the soul. 
Why? So quite simply, um, it's about getting clarity. You know, if you're in your car and the rain is coming down and it's all steamy, you pop your wipers on and suddenly you see, you can start to see clearly again. And it's just taking that time, that headspace to write down your thoughts. And the other interesting thing, and we know from psychology research, when you actually name how you're feeling or your emotion, you describe it, it almost takes the heat out of it. You know, I'm feeling really anxious today because of X, Y, Z. By actually acknowledging how you're feeling, it actually can help you deal with it. And it doesn't become quite so difficult anymore. Wow, I'm getting a flashback, Mary. 15 years ago, I went to Orlando, Florida to work with one of the best mental toughness coaches in the world. And I asked him, which book do I need to read and research and know off by heart, almost like a Bible, to help me working with elite performers in any performance crucible? And he spoke to me about a book that advises people how to journal appropriately. And he said, if you're athletes, if you're performers, if you're leaders in any crisis scenario, learn to do that in a ritualized manner. That one piece of advice, more than any other advice, will help them weather the storm. That's 15 years ago. So when you're saying that to me, Mary, you're reminding me and reconnecting me with that advice to my old mentor based in North America. Wow, I love that phrase. It's like window wipers for the soul. And I hope that this audio series becomes almost for all of our listeners around the world. In the words of Mary Collins, window wipers for your soul to help you see through this storm and to navigate in a more resilient, more respectful, more emotionally fit manner. I'm getting inspired. I'm getting almost tingles up the back of my neck with your words, Mary. I'm really inspired. I want to be really, I guess, time conscious for you and for our listeners around the world, but yet impactful. So my next question, Mary, you mentioned there about leadership. And it's the first time today that we've spoke about leadership. What is your advice for leaders who are leading maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand? Some of our clients actually are leading over 70,000 people around the world. So what advice do you have for leaders at this time? Leadership is such an important area right now. And uh, and. I keep coming back to that phrase, real leaders are forged in a crisis. This is the time when leaders really need to step up. And leaders will be remembered for how they behaved during this time. When we look back, um, it's the leaders that were strong, that were optimistic, that were growing through, through the adversity, And the biggest piece or the biggest area I would suggest um, leaders focus on right now is empathy and compassion. The CEO really needs to become the chief empathy officer in this world we're in. And it's about really connecting with your people, really understanding the challenges they're facing, providing support providing flexibility and those leaders will be remembered 
when we get through this and please God we will um, and I'm even thinking from through a talent management lens you know back to my my Deloitte days people will have good talent always has opportunity so I think how leaders respond and behave at the moment is is so so important and we've seen examples haven't we of absolutely outstanding leadership in the past year and we've also seen examples of really really poor leadership <laughs> and we won't get political enda but um i'd even love to hear from you enda what what leaders have stood out for you during this pandemic i would start with my mother so every time that i think about leading in adversity i think about my mother as the best example i remember a bomb going off as a young child in South Armagh, very close to our home. And I remember my mother's resilience. I remember her empathy and compassion. And you mentioned both those two aspects of leadership. So my mom inspires me. But linking that back to Dr. Mary, I, I love that phrase you said that leaders are forged in a crisis. When I think of that phrase, I think about Ernest Shackleton, who is the most famous example of a leader that became famous because of how he dealt with adversity and crisis. So Mary, as we draw towards the end of this audio session, and as our listeners around the world are hopefully making big mental notes as we speak, leaders are forged in a crisis. So what about the leader that knows they're gonna be either forged or maybe fragile in a crisis, but maybe don't have the belief in themselves, Mary? Maybe don't know how to be compassionate Maybe their leadership style in the last 25 years hasn't needed them to index with empathy and compassion. And in my thousands of hours in coaching in the last nine months, a lot of them would say, and I know I need to be compassionate. I know I'm hearing from all my forums around the world. I need to be empathic, but Enda, I'm not good at it. I haven't worked at it. I'm actually really poor at it. I know I'm really poor, but I'm trying to be more empathic and compassionate, but I'm struggling. What advice do you have for them, Mary? Well, the good news is that empathy, like optimism, is a muscle and it can be developed. So we know some people are certainly, and I love that story about, about your mother and uh, in that most difficult situation. And she clearly is someone that has a lot of natural empathy. Um, but others have to work harder and particularly people who have had to climb the corporate ladder in senior roles now um, and, and have, have had to, to come up through very tough times. They might have lost that part of themselves as well. <laughs> so how do you develop the muscle of empathy? Well, quite simply, empathy is, is built on active listening and it's built on curiosity. So it's about really understanding someone else's framework, really being fully present. And sadly, we know empathy levels have dropped by 40% in the last 20 years, four zero. So they've gone off a cliff. As a society, I think technology has, has brought many great things to us, but it's also really affected our ability to really be present with others. So I would say a starting point is to listen with curiosity. You know, when you're talking to your team members, you know, how, what's keeping you up at night these days? You know, how are you finding things? And to be truly present and give people the space 
Well, I hope, I hope on that note, I hope I'm actively listening, by the way. And I hope that our listeners around the world are writing those really strong coaching points down. I love what you said about active listening, Mary. I love what you said about it's building that muscle. I'm loving that strength and pragmatism of advice. Let me allow you to continue on your flow. You're in the flow with that, Mary. Thank you so much. Empathy is, I think it's, it's something we need now more than ever. And it is that uh, very much giving people time, giving them your full attention, being fully present with them. And I was reading something recently, and, uh, and it might just be of interest to, to the listeners, the difference between sympathy, empathy and compassion, because I think we use these terms a lot. So just really simply, sympathy is almost a distant um, emotion. It's almost saying, you know, please accept my sympathy. So you can feel sorry for somebody looking in. Empathy is really understanding and being with them and saying, you know, I really do understand your pain, your difficulty. And compassion is really where we all should strive to be. Compassion is moving that to action. And it got me thinking, Enda, about the work we did um, in, in a North Inner City school. And, you know, for me, that was true compassion. Not only was it obviously feeling, feeling sorry for the circumstances that some of those little children were in, it wasn't only really understanding and, and listening and being present, it was actually the action piece, being in their homes, you know, giving the food hampers and the wonderful work that McNulty does, not only with, with children in Ireland, but I know the wonderful work you do with children in Haiti as well. And I love the way you're talking about putting things into action. And I guess as we draw towards a close, I'm going to have Dr. Mary Collins having the last word on almost how to string all that together. If I, I, I almost jog in my memory now, I can think about that emotional fitness. I think about that calm model. I think of course about what you said very profoundly about the window wipers of the soul, but you will do that much more eloquently than me. And as you prepare for your last word, Mary, I would say that it's been an inspiration. I would wish that Tony Holohan, who's done a hell of a job for the HSE in the last year and a half, I really admire him as a leader in crisis, by the way. I really admire the way Leo Varaki has handled this. And yes, I really admire the way Michal Martin has handled this. Joe Biden, I'm incredibly optimistic. And Camilla Harris, we must mention that amazing female Afro-Caribbean leader. But interestingly, whenever I meet you, Mary, you inspire me about making this very possible for me and for our clients all around the world. You inspire me about the simplicity of it, even though it's based in science and research. But more importantly, I leave every conversation with you more optimistic, more energized, and more excited. So I wish that Michal Martin or Tony Holohan, or maybe even Joe Biden, who knows, or perhaps Jacinta Ardern in New Zealand, would say this news flash today, we're going to have Dr. Mary Collins talking to the nation or talking to the EU, because I believe strongly that the vaccine is going to make a big impact. But I believe in more strongly that we need to bolster now and get a shot in our arm on our emotional fitness. I believe strongly that our listeners need to take responsibility 
for building that muscle. And I believe 100% that Mary's advice today will help you guys and girls all around the world through the remainder of this storm. So the last word over to the inspirational Dr. Mary Collins. So in summary, I would say, go back to the point, one of the earliest points, all leadership starts with self-leadership. It really is important that you lead and manage yourself well. And I often think of that, the image, the oxygen mask on the airplane, put your own mask on before you deal with your children. You know, for you to be a strong, effective, resilient leader at this time, you need to really create those positive rituals and habits to keep yourself emotionally fit, emotionally resilient. So it is about, you know, deciding what works for you and making those behaviors habits. So pick your top three actions every day and and really build that emotional fitness muscle. I absolutely love it. So our big call to action is lead self first. Please put those top tips into action. Look after yourselves. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ender. You've been listening to the Rise podcast series, helping you to develop your strength, leadership and resilience in these remarkable times. Rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Enda McNulty. Thank you for listening.